Tasting Anarchy, your wine and liberty podcast. Join Mason and Jake each week as they try new wines and discover how much government is in your drink. Hello, everybody. We're only 13 minutes into our conversation, <laughs> and we finally decided to start the show. Tasting oh, Anarchy, your wine. <laughs> yeah. I forgot, I, yeah, and I forgot I had to like double-click it to turn it off. Yeah. <laughs> Just plays in the background the entire episode. You can't hear what any, either of us are saying. <laughs> so our uh, conversation was about video games and, and that sort of stuff. But part of what was drawing me there was like some recent experiences I've had with beer. So mm. one of the things that you and I were kind of saying is like, you know, there are a few video games that kind of capture our attention but like i really don't play anything anymore and you play one game and that game is kind of infinitely variable then it's supposed to be like one of the best balanced games for what it is right that exists but like you know there's very little that gets us out of bed kind of in the video game world and you know i worked at gamestop you worked at toys r us in the video game department for a long time i worked at gamestop for like five years like i wasn't a huge gamer going into working at GameStop and I bought like 22 something PS3 games for when I graduated college while I looked for a job and then didn't play any of them. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I didn't have a good enough TV to read the words on half the menus anymore. (laughs) I was just like, Oh, well, (laughs) this is uh, not something I was expecting to be a problem. Um, but so like I've recently, you know, like, I guess, cause I'm always the contradictory one for, as some people will often say and joke, like intentionally so, which I take some umbrage to in some ways, but like, I really like dark beer right now. And I, I, it's not that I don't like hopped beers, but like, I'm really like a porter. I do like a stout and I don't like, I'm, after having done that 30 day kettlebell workout challenge, like I'm not really interested in getting like drunk and I'm not interested in drinking like all day IPA to drink all day. You know what I mean? Like if, if you and I were building a shed together, yeah. Like I'd have a couple beers throughout, but like I've had this huge problem where I go to the grocery store and I am just uninterested in everything that's on the shelves, basically. There's very little dark beer right now, at least in the gro- like the uh, grocery store by my house and the other grocery store by my house. It's a lot of IPAs. I remember, like, for all there, I was, like, the IPA king. And now it's, like, yeah, they've moved on so much on, like, oh, this is a New England hazy and this is a San Diego hazy. You know, it's just, like, there's all right. these little nuances. And I'm, like... I don't know what any of this is and none of them are going to be like the monster hopped like 120 minute or uh, devil dancer that I uh, founders doesn't do anymore. Like those ones that I really liked and I can't find just like a, like cow catcher milk stout, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just like so frustrating going in there. But like, I also kind of that, you know, just kind of my old age where I'm like, okay, here are the things that I could do. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, well, I could work out. I could hang out with my kid or I could watch TV. And a lot of the times I'm like, 
we've been watching a lot of the Olympics and, you know, it's fun to see people perform at that level. Right. I don't like the cost that's associated with like people's lives being ruined by the Olympic committee, the Olympic committee's waste of money, you know, like all that stuff. Yeah. But it's super cool to see somebody who's at their top of their field and is trying that hard. That's cool. Right. But like half the time I'm like, I'm just going to watch something on YouTube. And it's like these 20, you know, 20 minute or less videos there. And like, but now there's so many ads and I have to tell YouTube so many times that I find Terry McAuliffe irrelevant because I can't report it as offensive. Right. For some reason, the YouTube app on my TV does not have a, I want to mark this as offensive. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like I have just hit that point in my life where I'm like, where's, what am I into anymore? And it's like, I'm into working out. I still do like wine a lot, but the problem is I drank so much of the lower end wines that it's like hard to find something new. And I don't remember enough of the vintages to be like, okay, this Virginia Cab Sauv or Cab Franc from 2020 was great. Let's see what the 2019 is like, you know, like yeah. to track that down. And right. I don't like, I don't have the price point to be like, yeah, let me order super expensive stuff. So I'm kind of at that point in my life where I'm like, so what am I into? <laughs> like, yeah, I had to stop reading on my like iPad because, you know, the blue light was causing issues and like me being able to sleep. So like now I can basically only read paper books. Mm-hmm. And I, my wife had a paper book here that she, I, I, several times I've picked it up and she's like, I'm not telling you, you can't read that, but it's kind of a romance novel. And she was off doing something else or whatever. And like, I started reading it and, you know, I got like 50 pages in and, it, it, you know, it's close to a romance novel. It's like middle sci-fi or middle fantasy. Like, yeah. It's not high fantasy. It's not low fantasy where it's like Stephen King, like just like, Hey, I banged this out in an hour. Here you go. Like it's, it's well written. It has a really well developed world, but the first book's kind of a fan like that. And then I read the second book. Like my wife was like, okay, well I'm going to read it again too. And I was like, all right. And so then we ended up buying the next two in the series. And like, she was trying to find them on Amazon because that's our go-to and sure. like the first one was like a hundred dollars. The second one was like a hundred dollars on Amazon. Oh, and we wow. ended up getting them on eBay and both of them were ex library book versions. So like they have huh. that like really hard, like plastic cover on the, uh, like the dust cover and right. my wife like rips the dust covers off every book. She gets and throws them away, which drives me nuts mainly because of Harry Potter. <laughs> but, yeah. but now I'm sitting here going like, okay, I'm an anarchist. I, don't necessarily believe in copyright, but I also don't disbelieve in somebody getting paid for their work, you know, like for sure that sort of thing. Yeah. But I'm like, so and my library sucks <laughs> and like the Norfolk libraries are still kind of closed. Cause like some things have COVID restrictions in Virginia and many things just no one gives a shit. And I'm like, right. how, how do I read books now? Do I just, have to be like Michael Malice and buy every book that I'm going to read, which is fair. He's a writer. Yeah. So, 
No, I mean, I get, I get what you're saying. Like, especially on like the, the booze front is cause I, I've kind of felt the same way lately is that I'm just not, well, I, I purposely am not drinking as much, uh, in general, just because I think I was drinking a little bit too much and I think it was not, it was hampering my performance in life just kind of made me too groggy and made me slower and not want to work out and things like that. Yeah. Um, but also, it's kind of interesting that you brought up that you're really into darks right now, because like uh, Will and I were talking about that. Uh, we went out to uh, dinner with, you know, Liberty Lockdown, Clint. Yeah, uh, you, you mention him all the time, but like, I don't like know his voice. OK, well, he was staying with us for a little while and um, we went out to dinner with Will and Will and I were kind of like discussing that a little bit, too, where we were both like, you know, I said, that you know, different things come in. I said, like, when when you and I first got into beer, it was like Belgians were really big. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of like switched over to IPAs became big. And then like ultra hopped IPAs, like hopped to death almost like where like it got to a point where I didn't like them that much anymore, but you were still pretty into them uh, where they were like double and triple and quadruple yeah. and, you know, infinitely hopped and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> and, uh, and then it, and then like, Browns and porters and stouts kind of came in for a while. And then like people were like rediscovering loggers for a little while, like different types of loggers. Mm-hmm. And then, and, and then it was like sours recently were really big. I think actually it was starting to get into sours around the time I was leaving Virginia. Like, yeah, like those, every brewery in Virginia somehow manages to do a sour now. Yeah. Yeah. That seems to be like the, the thing now, or it was the thing for a while. And, and I kind of see, sort of feel the same way where I'm just sort of like, I'm kind of over a lot of these and even like, and, and I, I think maybe I'm starting to understand a little bit um, like my grandpa's generation where like they all had their brand or like your neighbor, he's got his mm-hmm. brand of beer. He likes his, he likes that specific brand and he's just not that interested in other stuff. And yeah. he may try it. <laughs> But he's just, you know, he's got a standard and he goes to that standard. And I, I kind of feel like I'm starting to get into that mindset a little bit, even with wine. Like I, I have my certain ones that I really like, and those are the ones I kind of keep around. And those are the ones I drink. And then I do like to venture out and stuff and, and try new things. And, um, you know, that's what the show's about is, is trying new stuff. Like I did pick up a new beer today that I hadn't had before. Well, I don't think I've had it before, but I... But the reason I picked it up was not because it was particularly interesting to me. It was because it was a brand that I knew, mm-hmm. a good local or a good Texas brand. I don't, I wouldn't say local, but uh, Shiner Bach is a big yep. Texas Texas beer here. And um, did you get the Oktoberfest? No, I got their wicked okay. juicy their wicked juicy IPA, huh. um, okay. which is uh, good. It's a I, it, you know, and I'm also really into like the the. Uh, 19 ounce ones like the torpedoes or whatever they call them like i like those like those the double cans or you know the ones that are like twice as tall yeah like um not a lot like not a lot of breweries do that out here you can get like 24 ounce cans Mm. and then maybe uh like new belgian does yeah like those style cans but a lot of times like not a lot of the local breweries at least that are in grocery stores do those yeah so out here I don't know about I don't know about you guys, but out here most of the grocery stores will have like a section where they'll sell the beers individually, but most mm-hmm. of them are like slightly larger cans. Yeah, most so, of that's bottles here still. 
Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So here yes, they've got but still build here, your own six pack. Six pack. Uh, I mean, I guess it is build your own six pack, but it's it's not really marketed that way. It's more like it's marketed as like grab and go. Yeah. No, I, I know exactly. Oh, like Seven yeah. Eleven okay. has a lot of that. Oh, do they? Okay. So here, here, all the grocery stores have that. It's like a little sec, uh, like a freezer section up front where they have like beers individually, and then they have like frozen food and things like that. Like basically single people stuff where like mm-hmm. it's like single person meals and, and that kind of thing. Um, and so I like to go up there because I don't really want to stock a whole bunch of beers at my house. Cause I'm trying not to drink that much, but I do like to have a beer every once in a while. And so if I go to the grocery, like today I went to the grocery store, it's our dating anniversary. So oh. I went and got Victoria some flowers and some salmon because she likes salmon. And, um, and we went to the Tom thumb because the Tom thumb, um, uh, skins the salmon for you so they don't they give you a filet but it's got it's already skinned it doesn't mm-hmm. like I, I just don't want to deal with cutting the skin off because i usually yeah, chop they, up they de-skin it yeah yeah i usually chop it up for her so that she can eat it but i also am never very good at getting it off the skin and getting all of the stuff off of it so um it's just easier and it's like the same price <laughs> uh, and also for yeah. some reason kroger well this is a whole another side so kroger sells much larger pieces and they and you can't for whatever reason, you can't reduce the size. Whereas the ones that are skinned are individual fillets. Mm-hmm. So you can, so it's like for one person and it's, yeah. and if we get the bigger piece, then it goes bad before she finishes eating it. But if I just get a small piece, she can eat it in one sitting. And that makes sense. Yeah. yeah it doesn't go bad. So usually if I do something like that, like I'll, I'll go to the grab and go section, get a beer and get like one of the, one of the tall ones, like the, you know, 19 ounce or it's probably some of them are the 24 ounce ones. Like you're talking about, um, but I saw this one and I hadn't, I, I don't recall having tried this one. I would mm-hmm. say as far as like a standard, like a standard IPA goes, it's fine. Um, and it's slightly lower alcohol, which is also kind of nice. This one, um, I was reading it earlier and I can't remember what, it, I can't remember what I said it was. It's, uh, 5.7. So for an IPA, pretty good. Yeah. Lower, lower amount and and you know i don't want to get sloshed i got to work tomorrow and i woke up this morning at 5 a.m to do work because one of my clients needed me early but um so that's kind of but i i feel i i, I understand what you're saying kind of because i'm like in the same thing where it's like for whatever reason the market is not marketing toward me or i've gotten to the point where i'm too picky or, or yeah, not, maybe, well, maybe not too picky but just like at a point where it's like yeah, I just don't want to pay for something that I may not like. Yeah, and I think that's the other thing is like there's two other things that's happened. Like I've been smoking a lot more cigars, kind of like every weekend, having like one on Friday, one on Saturday, which I've been trying to stop, but work's been super stressful in some ways, so I've been doing yeah. that. And then because they legalized here, right. like I managed to get some. Oh, nice. And like we've been kind of making a like Friday, Saturday or just Friday sort of thing out of that. So like in, like I had gotten to a point where like really just didn't care for the effects of alcohol. Yeah. Like when it, like I didn't mind like two and a half beers or two glasses of wine. But by the time I got there, I was like, well, might as well have another. Might as well finish the bottle, you know, like that. And then it was like, oh, I've had too much. And it's like, not that I like, 
I couldn't drive, like I wouldn't drive. I could still drive if I like absolutely had to, but it was, it wouldn't be worth the, worth the risk. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, no, there's like somebody else can drive. Like I'll call an Uber, whatever. Right. Um, but like you would get to that point where it's just like, I feel bloated. I don't feel super comfortable or like, it's like I've had five beers and I don't feel it. Like, right. Hmm. Was I drinking like 2% beers? No, these were six plus. Okay. Well, I'm not going to have any. <laughs> it's just like, that's not a good thing. Yeah. So, but recently, like I was, you know, on my quest to find like a darker beer. Like one of the things that had always been available was Newcastle. Yeah. And I couldn't Newcastle's find pretty, pretty good. Yeah. It's a good standard exactly. brown. Like pretty yeah. good brown. It's British. So that's fun. Couldn't find it. Couldn't oh, find it at all. Hmm. Um, but I did find a uh, Shiner and oh. I did find their, um, Oktoberfest. So I think it was last weekend when you were at, um, uh, freedom, freedom fest. Right. Yeah. yeah. I ended up having like a six pack of that and it was pretty good. Um, it wasn't amazing, you know, but like speaking of kind of that Texas German heritage, right. Like it was like a specific like Marzen style Oktoberfest beer. And I was like, this is, it's coming around. October's, you know, like yeah. the cold season's coming. And I like, I'm not super pleased with that. Cause like, that just means more of the year is done, but I'm also not unpleased with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, yeah. It is what it is. I mean, we got, it's, uh, I guess today is August 1st. So what do mm-hmm. we have? So we've got, I mean, well for Texas, it's, August is a, is one of the hottest months, and and actually we've had a really mild year. This is like this last week and a half maybe has been um, the first time it got into the hundreds uh, mm-hmm. for for twenty twenty one, which is you know unusual for here, I guess. But um, so we've got here we've got all of August, all of September will probably be hot, and then October usually it's it's mild. Mm-hmm. That, that's one of the one of the things about texas you know everybody always is like oh my god it's so hot or whatever and it's and it's like yeah there it is hot here for a couple of months out of the year but most of the year is really nice there's usually like two months that are really really hot and then there's maybe one month that's like a little bit too cold for comfort but really mm-hmm. i mean the majority of the year nine months out of the year the weather's good yeah and that's kind of the it's like here like yeah yeah to today like, so yesterday was in the 90s, I think. No, maybe. Yeah, yesterday was in like the 90s. And then today was like 83. But it had rained a whole bunch this morning and the sun came out and it was just like oppressively humid. Yeah. But like the rest of the week is supposed to be, one of the days is supposed to be 75 in August. Nice. And that's, like, that's pretty good. That, you know, like, like I, there, it is, there are very few places in the world I've been where 75 degrees, like 75 degrees in Virginia, especially coastal Virginia, is amazing weather. Like, yeah. it is just beautiful. Like, San Diego is very close to it, but like, you get the humidity a lot of the times here where it's like, because 75 can be a little cool sometimes, but it's like, mm-hmm. you get enough humidity where you're like, yeah, I could see running around and I could also see taking chilling out and being fine both ways. Like, you know, you're not, it's not like it's like 85 where you're like in Virginia, you're like, I'm going to run around and you're like, 
oh, it's humid. <laughs> like right, now, I, right. now I need to drink seven gallons of water. Whereas like, you know, other places it's like, oh yeah, there's no humidity. So it's kind of more crisp. And like, I, I love that muting effect that humidity has. And that's one of the things with our possible planned, you know, move is like, I know it does get humid there, but it's not the same weather. And that's kind of going to be the thing that's going to throw me for the longest time. I'm assuming is I kind of know what to expect with the weather here. Yeah. What I don't know how to expect a lot of times is my own personal reaction to it. It's like, right. it's 90 degrees. It's a 85% humidity. You've been through this your entire life. Why are you dying today, but not yesterday? <laughs> like, right. Yeah. 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 Whereas there it's like, Oh, it's 106. And it's like, maybe 50% humidity. It's like, okay, what's right. that going to be like? So, yeah. yeah. I mean, and the humidity here is a lot, is a lot lower. Um, I guess if, I guess from my understanding, if you go further South and East, it's the same basically. But, uh, yeah, but, I, but up here, it's not, not quite as bad. And actually we, when we were up at freedom fest, we, we loved the black Hills. We thought that was mm-hmm. like a super cool part of the country. Uh, I don't want to be there in winter because I'm not, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't do well with, uh, the cold, but like for Your wife would shatter. <laughs> she, she, well, she, yeah, but she likes that kind of, she likes the snow and stuff. I mean, I guess that's cause she, she does. Maybe, oh oh yeah. She loves oh. it. She, but she does. I mean, she doesn't want to be there permanently, but she likes to visit the snow and, and I am, I don't even really like visiting the snow. It's, it's cool for like 20 minutes and then I'm just not, I'm like, I, yeah, I this think is enough. if you had kids, and they wanted to go sledding and snowball fight. I think you would be into it. Yeah, and I, and I also a, would probably be into it if I <laughs> like I had clothes for it and that kind of thing. That's that's the other issue is that I've never lived anywhere my entire life where snow was like a realistic thing that I would need to factor into my life. Yeah, and <laughs> uh, I mean even Virginia, it, you know, it doesn't snow there every year, and when it does, it's a couple of days and then it melts. Yeah, and most yeah. of the time it's like you don't need snow gear. Right. Most of the time you just need enough to make it for a couple hours. Yeah, like, exactly. And that's like an hour commute, an hour commute home four times. Right. Yeah, and like and this year when we had that with the dogs. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like this year when we had that that freeze in Texas, I realized I don't actually have any shoes even for so I end up wearing my motorcycle boots to walk the dogs in because I didn't, and and they have like no, no grips on them for yeah. the snow type stuff. And, and I was just like, yeah, I'm just not even prepared for this at all. But also I've never, and I've, I've always chosen not to live in places where snow is a thing. I think I could probably deal with it, but, um, anyways, we, I, we liked it up there a lot and, yeah. uh, we visited a pretty cool winery up there called Prairie Berry Winery. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. so this, the, okay, this, I will, we'll tie this back in. What, am, what am I into now is visiting wineries and visiting breweries and that sort of stuff. Even though like I, I do kind of find it a little bit difficult for me to find specific stuff that I want. I still really like going places with my friends and trying new things, even if I'm not super into what I try. Yeah. Cause like, they're, like, that's one of the things that like, you know, I'm a big buy it on Amazon sort of guy because it's just the convenience. And I'm also yeah. like, I don't have to remember this. I can just right. buy this and then I'm, it'll get here in a couple of days and I'll be like, okay, good. I've got it. But like one of the things I do like to do is go out and look around in stores. Right. And a lot of the times it's like, 
I don't watch like commercial television very often. And even mm-hmm. when I do, I really don't pay attention to the commercials. So, and I don't interact with the internet the way it seems a quarter of our generation does. Yeah. So like, I'm kind of the last to know about some things and it's like, well, maybe there's a new product. Like maybe I'll find something cool. Like I never thought I needed, but that solves this problem. Right. And like, I don't have a problem. I just want to go out. <laughs> so like, yeah. I kind of get that too, where it's like some nights where, you know, we're sitting there trying to figure out, do we have enough leftovers to make for dinner or should we go out to eat or something like that? I go, I, you know, I start thinking about like, Oh, where could I go to eat something different? And right. You know, it's just kind of that going out and experiencing something new. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this and that was kind of the cool thing is we went with Tyler from Pulse of the Walls, and he's also a Childerberg uh alumni at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just he was like, Hey, I want to go to this winery, you want to come with me? And I actually had not even thought about looking for wineries while we were up there <laughs> because it's, it's South Dakota. And I was yeah. like, I was like, um, yeah, I guess I, I mean, I was, I was, I'm always interested in going and hanging out with somebody, but I was also kind of in my mind going like, what on earth can they be growing up here? That mm-hmm. I was like, it's gotta be some sort of American hybrid and it's going to be weird. But I'm will, I always, I always like trying the American hybrids, even though there are a lot of times kind of bizarre wines. Mm-hmm. Um, we went up there and it, so we, uh, Freedom Fest was in Rapid City, which is a cool little, I say this all the time. Whenever I go and do something, I'm always like, I, you and I have got to go see America at some point. Cause I think, <laughs> I think you and I would have such a good time just going yes. to a lot of these places. Yeah. Uh, Victoria and I had a great time and, and we like doing that. And she's kind of discovering too, that she just loves doing that kind of stuff too. She just, it's a different, like, there is a just a different feel to a lot of these kind of smaller American cities where like just everything about them there's an for lack of a better way of putting it there's like an energy that is just yeah not stressful well and that's the thing is like that's like traveling in Europe where yeah you can get on the train in in three and a half hours go from like Berlin to the Czech Republic yeah and that is a completely different vibe but there is a at least like when you're in bohemia kind of there's a shared somewhat ethos and it's the same thing like in america it's like you know like you've always enjoyed parts of seattle right oh yeah yeah i do i love i love it yeah and that's the thing is like even with all this stuff going in in seattle like i guarantee we could have a blast in seattle and not run into anything that bothered us yeah. And it's just like, eh, you know, but like normally, you know, both you and I are like, yeah, I'm not even going to bother going. Yeah. So, and so this was, it was a cool, so Rapid City was a cool city. And then, and, and a small city, but like, but just a neat, a neat little city. And, yeah. um, and then, so we went up into the mountains there to go to this uh, Prairie Berry winery. And it was, you know, maybe a 30 minute drive or something like that up into the hills. And mm-hmm. it's just, just really pretty up there. Like, it's like, it's like, it's kind of like going up in the Sierra Nevadas in California where it's, it's high altitude, lots of pine trees and it's, and it's that sort of like drier pine forest that, yeah, it's like a that, kind of scrub almost, but not. Yeah. Scrub. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Kind of like that. It, it's just, it's that more Western pine forest, not like, cause you know, like in Virginia, you can go up into the mountains and get into those kind of forests like that, but they're just, they're so dense there. 
Yeah, because they're um, the oldest mountains. Yeah, yeah. It's like a super, super dense forest and a lot of underbrush and stuff like that. It's really kind of hard to get through. But like when you're up in the in like the western forest, it's it's these pine trees, but they're just not all it's it's dense pine forest. And we'll probably get into this a little bit in our article um once I kind of wrap this story up. But like it's just drier. And that's the only kind of way I can describe it. There's you could you could walk you could go out into the forest there and you could just walk through the forest and nothing's gonna really stop you because it's well, not there's yeah, not a lot of undergrowth it's like the uh death of uh Boromir, like that scene yeah it's kind of like you know it's a forest you can't see for a million miles but it's also not like here where you're like i literally lost you and you're three feet from me <laughs> like, yeah exactly yeah exactly like yeah in virginia it's like it's just so so dense but yeah that's that's actually a good way to describe it is is uh the scene where Boromir dies he's like it's a forest, but it's not like the most dense thing on the planet. Anyways, very pretty up there. Reminded me a lot of uh, California, which is you know one of the things I I like a lot. Victoria loved it up there, and we we were we were like, oh, we should come up here and go camping sometime. Like, but like cabin camping because she's yeah. not a tent camper. But uh, well, we plus, loved it up like, there. Just the temperature; it's like worth doing. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, it was great. Yeah, because yeah. it was like up in the mountains there. It was like eighty. So it was like, it was warm, but it was dry. So it was like a nice, cool, and it smelled really nice, smelled like pine forest. Anyways, so this Prairie Berry Winery, we went there and I'm looking at their wine list and it's like Cabernet Sauvignon, Cab Franc, Malbec, Merlot. And I'm like, there's no way that they grow this up here. And so I asked the person, I was like, where do you guys get your grapes from? And they're like, oh, well, you know, they all come from California. And I was like, oh, okay. So you import them and, and make your wine here. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's how. And I, and he, I said, so what from South Dakota is added? And he's like, oh, well, we do have a lot of rhubarb wines and ones that have prairie berries, which is hence the name. Um, and I don't remember what the prairie berries specifically were, but he was like, just berries that grow on the prairies and then rhubarb. Apparently they add rhubarb to a lot of these, which sure. is super interesting. Um the wines were solid. I mean, they were not amazing, but they were they were solid, good wines. There was one that Victoria really, really liked, and we'll probably get it again. That was one of the rhubarb ones that was very, very sweet, mm-hmm. um, and I, I did not care for it. But um, I did, I did think that their Malbec was uh, very solid. I thought their Cab Franc was solid, um, and they had a, a Meritage Red Blend that I thought was very good as well. Um, so apparently, they paid for the Meritage label. Um, and then hmm. right next door, the people who own that winery also own minor brewing. Huh. And, uh, so we walked down the street and went to minor brewing and had a drink there. And also, again, I wouldn't say anything was like particularly standout or stellar. They had a very solid IPA. They had a, uh, um, a pretty good wheat that, I, you know, I'm not really super into wheat beers. This one was okay. Mm-hmm. It was a good, it was a good wheat beer, but it was also, I just don't like wheat beers very much. Yeah. Um, and then there was another one that Victoria got that was like watermelon, but she didn't care for it. it I think it was like a watermelon <laughs> sour or something like that. That makes sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and she was like, eh, she didn't like it very much, but a uh, really, really cool place. And um, I highly recommend just people going and checking it out. I, I like we went to Mount Rushmore and it was, you know, it was cool. I mean, it's one of those things where like you should go see it, but it's also kind of one of those things where like, you get there, you get out, you look at it, and then that's a, pretty much all you can yeah. do. And you're nowhere near as close as you think you would be. No, no. You yeah. can walk a lot closer, but it's like, it's just not that, 
not that much closer. Yeah. Like it's it's cool. It is cool. And I like again, I, I feel like every time I talk about it, like I'm poo-pooing it because I do think people should go see it because it's neat. But it's also like you see it and then that's it. There's not really much else to do. So if you're ever in that area of listeners and you want to go see Mount Rushmore, make sure to plan to go to some of the parks around that as well, because there are awesome parks around it. There were there's um uh, Custer Park, which was super, super cool. We went to Custer and we got to see all like herds of buffalo. Um, just yeah, it was you know, those are my favorite uh ruminants, I guess, just one of my favorite animals. And uh I love seeing the bison, like they're so cool. And so we and you're able to get really close to them. I mean, they're wild animals, so you don't get like really, really yeah. close, but uh <laughs> and and then uh but they also have wild donkeys there that are mm-hmm. I mean, they're as wild as donkeys that will come up to you and let you pet them are, but, uh, (laughs) they're, uh, but they're, it's like a little, it's like a little herd of donkeys that kind of runs around and whenever they see somebody pull over, they all run up and, you know, they're expecting, I guess, to get fed. Uh, Mm -hmm. but you can, you can pet them and they, and they have their little baby donkeys with them and those are really cute. Um, so that was really fun. We saw a bunch of, uh, not gazelle, um, antelope. We saw a bunch of pronghorns, like antelope pronghorns. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then we went to this cool park where we saw a bunch of bears that was, that were just, oh. I mean, it was, it was an ungodly amount of bears and they were all just like doing bear, bear stuff. stuff. They had just like hanging out, like swimming in ponds and like laying around <laughs> being lazy and fat, <laughs> but like really, really cool. Cause they were like right next to the car. Um, that is uh really interesting. I don't think I've ever heard of a place where like. Other than like Grizzly Bear Island in like Alaska, where it's just like an island of grizzly bears, and like you shouldn't go there. (laughs) (laughs) Now this is this is called like Bear Country USA. Okay, so it's uh, so you drive through it. It's like a drive through Mm -hmm. safari, and like the first the first part you drive through, there's like uh, there's like uh, longhorn sheep, and then um, which are also really neat. Like oh, there's wild longhorn sheep that you can see in the in Custer also. But they're also oh. in this park and um, you see those and then there's like you drive through the wolf section. Then there's like um, a mountain lion section. You can see the mountain lions there and they just start doing, you know, whatever mountain lions do, like sleeping and stuff like that. And um, there's some porcupines there. that was kind of neat to see and badgers and um, wolves. There were some wolves that were pretty cool to see and a bunch so- of different types of wolves. Yeah, so it's it's a like a not like a game reserve, but like it it's not a yeah like a Custer Park where it's just a park. Like right? Happens, yeah, this happens. is yeah, this is more like this is more like a zoo, like a private zoo that you drive yeah. through. Um, and then and then you get to the bear section, and it's just un like way more bears than you would ever expect to see in your life. It's it's too many bears. <laughs> <laughs> I just want and, to be like brushing the bear. It's like, hello, Mr. Bear. Give I, you a brush. I, yeah. I mean, they tell you in the thing, don't roll down your windows or anything, but like, I swear to God, these bears are waving at you. Um, oh yeah. No, and, they're, 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 they're like, waving at you saying, come here, delicious meat. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Or like give us food or something. Cause I bet you people throw yeah. shit out, out their window at them and stuff. Oh, but, like sure. they, they do, they, they do goofy things toward the cars and stuff like that. And like, I think they, I think they like the attention, but there's just so many of them. It was bizarre. And after, after like driving through it for like 20 minutes, you're like, I think I'm a little bit overseeing bears. Cause there are so many of them here. 
but it was uh, it was neat. And then and then there's a section once you get past the bears, uh, you can get out of your car and then walk through and see a bunch of smaller animals. Like uh, that's where like the porcupines are and like the groundhogs okay. and things like that and prairie dogs. Gotcha. And um, we also went over to this place that my grandpa used to really like to stop at when he was driving through called uh, Wall Drug, which is just a basically it's a tourist trap. Yeah. But it's but it's like the best kind of tourist trap. It's like an old Western town. Yeah. With like all those kind of Western gimmicky things like uh, the wooden sculptures of all the different famous Western people like Wild Bill Hickok and Buffalo Bill Cody and all them and Annie Oakley and things like that. So like it, it's like the best kind of tourist trap and like big plaster dinosaur statues. Yeah, like I- so there's a, a YouTube channel that I watch, uh, TFL Off-Road or TFL Cars. Uh-huh. So like it's this father and son uh, guy, it's father and son, and then they have other people that are with them. And like if you don't watch a lot of their content, sometimes they'll just throw up another guy and he's like, you know, they act like, it's not like they act like, I mean, he's obviously around, but then they're it's just like, Oh, let's Billy with the news. And you're like, who the hell is Billy? (laughs) I've never seen this guy before. Uh, But he, with like his girlfriend, like the son, with his girlfriend, went to like all those places. And he, I think he went to Wall Drugs. So like, I was like, wait a minute. I know that name. Why do I know that name? And then I just, I remembered after you were saying it. But I think like the specific Wall Drugs, like inside of the little place, was closed when he went there. (laughs) Oh, bummer. That's just, yeah, that's a bummer. Cause it does, it has like an indoor, like main street, cowboy main street and stuff that you can walk yeah. down. It's, it's, oh, that, it's, that it's, part it's, was open, but like the drugstore oh. inside was closed. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a cool, it's a cool place. I, I remember going there when I was a kid with my grandma. We drove out, uh, to see my cousins in Aberdeen mm-hmm. and, uh, which is on the other side of South Dakota from where we were, but we drove through, from California out there and we went to every state capital and went and took pictures in front of every, which is like, you know, one of those things where like there was, there was a short period of time. Well, I wouldn't even say a short period of time, but like for a large portion of the time that you and I knew each other, I think I was very negative on like government buildings and things like that. But like they're, they're already there. And like in retrospect, I'm like, they're there. They're kind of, they are cool looking a lot of them. And uh, can be really neat. And I have great memories of like visiting them with my grandparents. And yeah. uh, so like, I'm like, well, you know what? I'm not going to be like all, you know, I, I almost like, cause I did think about that while we were flying out and I was like, should I go see Mount Rushmore? And I was like, well, yeah, I should. Like, even though I think two of the guys are okay, but they had their problems and the other two guys are piece of shit. <laughs> I still, it's still a really cool monument. Like I still want to go see it. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, this wasn't it, it's not like somebody carved a potato and was like it's george washington the potato and then right. like put it in like um like acrylic like you know the see-through like plastic yeah, yeah. and it's just gonna sit there forever right like some guys said here's a hill that i'm gonna carve big things into and yeah, you know, like you said, like they, you know, they're not necessarily very good people or anything like that, but it is still an interesting concept, right? To have done. So, yeah, yeah it's like the uh, they were, um, you know, like in uh, 
like Afghanistan, there were these really big, really old Buddhas that were oh, carved yeah. into a mountain. And like the Taliban blew them up. Yeah, in like 2001 or something like that. Yeah, like, like, like 2000. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Maybe yeah. It, it might have been during 2001. You, you might be correct there. But, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, like I get, like I get the religious component. I don't appreciate it, but I get it. But you're kind of like, you guys have had dynamite for 200 years. Why now? Like, yeah. what? Like, why was it so? Why was it so offensive that it had to be destroyed? Right. Well, and that's I. I think actually I recently watched something about that because they were also trying to blow up one of the stupas that are there. Yeah. Uh, which is apparently also because I guess Afghanistan is like one of the first Buddhist countries um, or like one of the first like official Buddhist kingdoms was up there. Huh. And so they had all of these like really, really old Buddhist things. And they have this really humongous stupa carved out of like basalt or something like that. Mm. They, they just carved it right into the rock. And um, it was really neat. But they were also talking about those two statues. They were like, hey, we'd love this was like a YouTube video. And they're like, well, we'd love to show you these. But they blew them up. <laughs> yeah. And like and like relatively recently, like when you and I were alive. Yeah, they blew them up in like <laughs> before the war. But after they had taken over the country was like 96. So yeah. like there was a five year period where they theoretically did this. So, right. Yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like, would I blow up Mount Rushmore? Probably not. Right. Because there's like all the people in the Supermax prison where I'm kind of like, probably shouldn't be there. You know, things like that where it's like, are like getting like Ross Ulbrich out of prison. Like I got way more other things to worry about than Mount Rushmore. It, you know, like we've often yeah. said, like the national park system. Right. It's yeah, like, yeah, and you and okay. I use, use the national parks and I like them. Uh, so. Yeah. It's like of, of all the things to, that I need to spend my time destroying of the federal government or, you know, losing their power on. Yeah. It's like this is going to be the last thing that I'm going to spend energy on where I'm just like, mm-hmm. okay, if I've got nothing left to take down, but the national parks. Okay. Right. Like, here we go. <laughs> right. Well, speaking of national parks and forests and all that kind of thing. Yeah. We've got an article that you picked out this week mm-hmm. that is related to that. Uh, and I will read the headline. It's from Tyler Durden uh, on Zero Hedge, as are oh, most yeah. most of the most of the articles there. And it's uh, actually like they list like by Tyler Durden, but then they list the person who actually wrote it quite often because they pull yeah. content from so many other places. They do, yeah. And I think actually this one, if you go if you go down to one of the links, it'll link you actually to where they pulled the information from. Yeah, um, but the article is titled uh, "Wildfires Are Coming for Wine, Weed, and Christmas," uh, <laughs> and so we've actually talked about this before. And there is once again wildfires all over the place in the Western United States, and and we actually did maybe maybe if I think about it, I'll link to those episodes. But um, we talked about this that like you can kind of like correlate public land ownership being well. Mm-hmm it being public, meaning the government owns it and private land ownership and correlate that to where fires are, uh, despite drought conditions. So there are a lot of places like Texas, for example, that does experience droughts quite often. And we do have wildfire fires in Texas, but they are not nearly as bad as they are in the Western States with, you know, 
in some of the states, 90% plus of the state is owned by the federal government or, or the state government. And mm -hmm. um, so in this case, um, right now there are, it says there are 86 large wildfires that have burned 1,498,205 acres across 12 U.S. states. Um, and they're basically, they're, they're putting a bunch of smoke out and they're saying this is going to impact wine, weed, and Christmas. And the, I guess the reason that it's impacting Christmas is because that's where a lot of Christmas trees are sourced. Well, um, those are just straight up burning. Yeah, like, exactly. They're just unlike just, the, the wine and weed. Right. Yeah. Which are <clears throat> with wine and weed, I guess are, going, are, especially the wine is going to be damaged by the, uh, through smoke taint so even if the even if they the grapevines are fine uh, if if they get too much smoke they're going to have that smoke taint flavor and that's not mm -hmm. going to be good for growing grapes and then weed i guess uh i don't remember what it was saying about weed it's what was the deal the same thing like oh it, it gets it gets smoke taint it kind of it like the the car not the carcinogens but the heavy chemicals in it like don't do well and the weed doesn't do well with them and it like whether it's outdoor grown or like indoor grown, like because a lot of the air filters, like a lot of those things don't have like big HEPA filters. And so like even, even if they did, like the amount of smoke is so great, it would be very hard for them to filter it. Right. So it like still manages to ruin the crop. So hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. And, that, yeah. That, and then uh, on the Christmas trees thing too. Yeah. That was what it was actually Janie, my, my uh, older sister said there was a Christmas tree farm that we used to go get trees from that she said got on that lit on fire a couple of years ago. And so they're still trying to grow the trees back, but it does take several years for those trees to grow um, for you to get the small ones. It takes, you know, four or five years. And then yeah, I was uh, never like, I wasn't really sure what the time cycle was with those. Yeah, I mean, it, it can take a long time to, to grow them. So that's why they usually, like, if, I don't know. Well, I guess in Virginia, unless you go out to like Isle of Wight or something, you don't really go and cut your own tree usually. Yeah, not um, often. Yeah, but in where we grew up in California, we always cut our own tree because it's you just go up the hill and up to Apple Hill or somewhere like that. And they've got Christmas tree farms up there and you go cut your own tree and you, but they've got it kind of divided into sections. So they'll be like this year, this section's open. You can cut any of the trees you want in this area. And then they'll have like those uh, caution tapes or whatever put up around mm -hmm. the sec sections you're not allowed to go into. And you can usually see that like the section you're in are all mature trees. And, and the further back on the property you get, the more mature the trees are. And then the, on either side of you, they're at just different stages of development. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's always, I always was very interested in that. I always thought it was kind of a neat, sort of neat how they did that. Yeah, forestry is um, pretty cool. Yeah, it is. It's just kind of, and you know, that's what they're for. And, and I, and as I've kind of gotten older, like I've been more interested, like one of the things that Victoria and I've talked about doing is if we ever, and that's our plan is to get the money together so that we can have like a mountain house and be able to spend Christmas in the mountains um, where it's like, actually has a chance of snowing and stuff like that. So you can have a white Christmas, like in the songs and stuff. But the idea being that what they do in Germany nowadays is that instead of cutting down your own tree, you usually get a tree with a, with its root ball intact and mm -hmm. you grow that. And then you plant that tree somewhere on your property. Yeah. Um, and then that's kind of like, then you can kind of, you can, you know, put a marker on it or whatever and be like, Oh yeah, that's the tree that we had from Christmas 1993 or whatever. And like, it's just, it, 
you know how extremely nostalgic I am. So like those types yes. of things would be <laughs> would be so incredibly awesome to me to be able to be like, oh, this was a tree that we did that like for our wedding anniversary this year, I bought us a banana. So like and banana tree, not not a banana, the fruit, but a tree. And um <laughs> I was gonna make a joke. Like, yeah, Dude. right, right. Yeah. Uh, but, but <laughs> as if I can keep this tree preserved, cause they don't, they only last one or two seasons usually, uh, mm-hmm. but they clone, they clone themselves. So like in my mind, I'm like, oh, I'll have this anniversary banana plant for years and years and years and years. And it'll just be one of those things that like, I can always be like, oh yeah, remember this was for our fifth wedding anniversary. I got us this banana tree and now we've been married 25 years and we still have the offspring of this banana tree, like things like that. Like those are things that I plan for to like enhance the nostalgia of my life mm-hmm. because, I, because I like that kind of thing. Like I love thinking about that. And that's, and that was kind of one of the things that I thought was a shame about a lot of these fires is that, you know, Christmas trees, like we, in my family, because we're all very much that way, we talk about specific trees that we got and, and specific going and getting a tree events, you know, like we all mm-hmm. we went out like one year we went out to Isle of Wight when we first moved to Virginia because we wanted to cut our own tree. And so we went out to Isle of Wight and we found these beagles that were out. So we took the beagles and put them in the car. We've, you know, looked at their dog tags and brought them back to their owner and their owner was like, Oh, they were tree and a coon. <laughs> <laughs> and we we had stopped the hunting <laughs> and he was like he's like well, they got gps on them like i would have been able to found, find them but like we let them out to go you know put get a uh, raccoon in the tree and then we go out and kill the raccoon that's what they were doing <laughs> and we thought they were like loose <laughs> so like we have like, like we're these, from california <laughs> yeah yeah exactly like we we had like we didn't we we didn't even it didn't even occur to us that somebody would just let their dogs out to go hunt. But I mean, they do that up in the mountains where, where we're from. It's just a, I guess, because it's not as, it, it's not as dense. I, 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 that's the kind of thing. If you let your dogs out in Northern California and they go out to go find something, they're just not going to run into a road or they, or mm-hmm. if they do, it's like they'll be at the road briefly. But in Virginia, it's, you know, even if you're out in the country, you're still in civilization to some degree. Yeah, it's so, a, definitely a more developed place and more privately owned, right? Like by comparison, and that's kind of the big thing about this is, you know, California has reached this absurd state of, like, just in incomprehensible mismanagement. Oh yeah, yeah. Like where it's like every year they talk about how bad the fires are and the general consensus seems to be they need to better manage like the land right and but you never seem to see where they're like well we called texas's fire management guy and he's going to come here and help us right it always seems to be like some nebulous needs more money or because it's a drought, this was inevitable. Right. And I'm not saying it like, because that's the thing is like, obviously I'm not a forestry guy. Like my uncle worked for warehouser, which is a big like a paper company, like a forestry company. And so maybe he's got like some sort of like 
doctorate level plan to save California from the wildfires or something like that. But like, you know, it's kind of that central planning doesn't work, but when the problem gets so big like this and it's so badly managed, right? Like I'm not saying that, you know, obviously as a libertarian, I'm not arguing that the only solution is for big government management, but that's kind of one of those ones where it's like, you almost need somebody like a, a Howard Hughes who's like, my vision is to build the biggest friggin' plane I can. Spruce Goose. Right. So, Billy, you're going to make the treads. Tommy, you're going to do, you know, like, you almost need somebody with that master plan to come out and get people pulling the oars in the same direction. But I think in like a much more, obviously, a voluntary way where it's like, well, we tried all this other shit that didn't work. So yeah, let's actually listen to the guy who knows what he's talking about and then see. But then, you you know, you kind of run into that classic California, like, well, Billy doesn't want to do it. So we're going to make him and burn his yeah. property to the ground. <laughs> like, well, and that's, yeah, and I think that's kind of one of the things that, well, f- fires in the West is just a reality of the West, even before yeah. any, anybody was out there. And that's, that's, so that's part of the issue is that, the develop the it's it's become so much more developed that i there there are i guess statistically a lot more fires but it's also the fires are much more destructive because there's so much more development than there used to be so that's that's one thing but also the the water is poorly managed the the land is poorly managed they're not willing to privatize any of it and then on top of that if we want to go ahead and put our tinfoil hats on to some degree i think they do this on purpose like not necessarily the fires specifically but like I think that there is over at, at least over like my adult lifetime, it seems like somebody is trying to make California a hellhole. Like there, there, and and I and I wonder if it's like a if it's like a property buy up thing or if it's like a the DNC's plan to purple the United States or whatever you know, like to get everybody to leave so that mm-hmm. they you know they just make it so miserable in California that people leave and go to other States and make those States purple. Like th- that kind of thing. Although, you know, the thing is in the eighties, California was a pretty solid red state, but um, yeah, it's like, it's one of those things where it's like it it's thing after thing, after thing, after thing in the state. And it gets to a point where I'm like, somebody is doing this on purpose. <laughs> like well I, it's just I, getting worse and like and some of the stuff is so ridiculous that you're just like there's no way that anybody actually thought this was a good idea and they are doing it purposely to piss other people off and make them leave or to start some sort of like conflict or like you know what is that that um uh it's not controlled opposition what's the saying where they're like um where like it's you know how like the the FBI sends in like agent provocateur that's what it is yeah like, so they they send in people to like stir shit up and, and it's mm-hmm. and like at this point like some of the stuff that happens there I'm just like there's just no nobody is happy about this even left wing people are not happy about what's going on there and yeah like go on that that that's one of those things where like I I. My dad left California in the 70s. And I think my dad would tell you that it's always been a freaking nightmare. Yeah. And like, you know, it's that, that saying like the forest, you can't see the forest uh, 
the forest through the trees or whatever. Yeah. Whatever it is. Like you and my wife have such a nostalgia for California. Right. And you have a very specific time in mind. Right. But like one of the things that like so many people don't seem like, so have you ever watched Enron, the smartest guys in the room? Uh, yeah, I think I have actually. Yeah. So like they engineered the fall of gray Davis. Yeah. Very effectively to put Arnold in, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know if Arnold was an aberration to their plan or like why they really wanted gray Davis out, but like, you know, like are the, uh, Diablo point nuclear power plant. Right. They F that up so badly that they could not find a way to make that plant profitable by fixing it. Right. Now, like good on them for the sunk fallacy, not falling for the sunk fallacy cost. Right. But like to your point, like, you know, clearly somebody's doing this. I, I just I think it's one of those things where like California has the weirdest like system for passing laws. And it doesn't yeah. make any sense. And I think the biggest problem with California is because so much of the land is owned by the government, you have these mega cities. And right. you don't have people spreading out into like weird little communities and then like being told like, yeah, you can't go make a new little community in this valley because of X, Y, and Z rule. You know, yeah. that just nonsense where it's like the haves keep having and the nots keep not in California. Right. And it like, it, it's so bizarre to me, like how it, you know, because as I've, you know, constantly momented on the shows, I don't have the nostalgia for Virginia. Right. That you all have for California. But I also have that in part for San Diego, where I'm just like, the weather is perfect. Yeah. Like, why would you not want to live where the weather is perfect? And then I'm like, oh, yeah, because everything else is a hellhole. <laughs> like, yeah. And I think I think that might also be part of California's issue is that, uh, well, I don't think really think anything is governable, but like there, the state is, it's so there's the interests are so disparate that mm -hmm. like, there, there's not like any sort of like cohesion on collect, like any sort of collective, like Texas, I wouldn't say even has that exactly, but you know, Dallas, Houston, San Antonio and Austin are all within four hours of each other. So like yeah. it's there, they're, they're four of the largest cities in the country. What I think, I think Houston is number four population wise. Yeah. San Antonio, uh, DFW together is I think number five. Um, and then I think like San Antonio and Austin are like 11 and seven or something like that. I don't remember what the number, yeah, what numbers like there are. El Paso is in the top 20. Yeah. Yeah. El Paso, I remember correctly, yeah. Metro area. Like, right. And it is, yeah nine hours away right <laughs> like, yeah exactly but like but like the major the major economic portion or whatever of like urban texas are all fairly close but mm -hmm. like when you go when you have like uh actually i think san jose is actually larger than san francisco i think that's actually one of i think that's like the 10th largest city in the country but you've got san and san jose or san francisco the bay area let's say you mm -hmm. get the Bay Area, you got Los Angeles, and you got San Diego. Los Angeles is 
almost nine hours away from the Bay Area. Yeah. So it's like you just have these completely separate areas that have very different things. And then you've got all of Northern California, which is, you know, the the furthest north part of California is seven hours away from the Bay Area. And it's just got a completely different economic interest. It's also a very, very diverse uh, landscape, whereas Texas doesn't have as much diversity in in that way. Um, when it comes to like, I mean, the eastern part is more swampy and humid and stuff like that. And the western part is more dry and deserty and stuff like that. But but the northern part's plains, like like up toward like Oklahoma and stuff. Yeah, I mean there there are differences, but it's not it's not as drastic. I don't think as California. Like California is like drastically different from place to place. And, but it's also because it's so long, like there's just a lot of things that are different about it. So mm-hmm. with, with all of those, you know, things in mind, um, I think that a large part of California's problem is that it is, it's just ungovernable. The interests are not there. Like Texas is probably too big as well, but there is some sort of cohesion in like the Texas attitude. Whereas I think at this, that California kind of used to have that. But now it's kind of become like a Northern California versus the rest of California kind of cultural thing. And then at least that's my perception of it because I'm from Northern California. And then there's all of this, this like super majority of the left, which makes so many people disaffected. And also there's, you know, like the, uh, the national review thing is like standing before history and yelling stop, which mm-hmm. malice always makes fun of. But in California, there's just nobody to yell stop. They're just, they just do whatever the agenda is, whatever, and whether it's a good idea or a bad idea, there's nobody stopping them. And it just, it just plows through and it's just worse and worse and worse. And even the Democrats out there are starting to kind of go like, this is not working. Like there's, there's enough Democrats now kind of challenging the establishment Democrats of California and going like, no, that it's, it's going to turn out to be that you know, the Republicans are now useless there, but like, it's going to end up being like a far left Democrat versus moderate Democrat kind of split. And that's yeah. kind of the, and that may, maybe that'll help a little bit is you'll have the kind of more moderate corporatist type Democrats versus the, anybody's allowed to steal from these stores, Democrats kind of thing. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I don't know. It's just well, kind they- of an interesting, interesting dynamic over there and and i I think a lot of that plays into the fires yeah well i think california is quickly getting to the place of the people who get work done and then everybody else yeah and like that's one of those things it's like it's super interesting to think about because like you and i get work done but we don't like you like to clean your pool. I like to mow the yard. Yeah. That's about as physical as our work output is. That is not exercise. Right. You know, so it's like, whereas, you know, like my, like, you know, your sister like does tree work. She's out in trees doing work. Like my, I think my cousin's like a firefighter. Like, he in California, like he's getting work done by physical work. I think that's the interesting thing about California is like, you're seeing people like 
sheriffs going like, and like, you know, I'm not necessarily for or against sheriffs because like I'm for policing, but in the private sense. So I don't know, like security, like I don't know what the right term is, but I'm not necessarily like, I'm clearly not pro police, but I'm also not like, let them steal. (laughs) So I don't know. Exactly. Right. You get like the sheriff and it's kind of like, they're like, almost all the sheriffs in California are like, this is unworkable. Right. And like, they're the people who are getting the work done, but then you have the police department. And this is the thing that I've never understood. Like Virginia beach has a police department and has a sheriff. Right. And they're, but they're two separate things. It's like, why do we have both? Like, I don't understand that. So, well, I think, I don't know about, I think in Virginia, the sheriff has like a, a role in prosecution of crime and the police have the role as law enforcement, which is, I think those, that's how they separate it there in, in like Eldorado County where I'm from, the sheriff and the police are the same thing. So yeah, they, the sheriff has that role. And then the bailiffs are kind of a separate thing. The bailiffs are the court, the court cops basically. Yeah. Like the court cops in Virginia are sheriffs. Yeah. So I think that probably the sheriff department. Yeah, yeah, that's so like, that's that's a different thing there. But yeah, so it's just one of those things where like I I think we're quickly approaching that point of like there's so much money generated in California through, you know, tech innovation and all that stuff, but they have gotten away from the root of doing work. Right. And like that's the thing is like you know I would love it if every human being could live a cushy life. Like they, if they wanted to, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think everybody should have to. So if somebody wants to be a ditch digger and, and, you know, write poetry at night that no one reads, cause that's what they want to do. Great. No problem. Right. But like, I would love it if all humans could live at the standard that Americans do. It's like, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Is that going to happen? I don't think so. Right. At least not like the way we're going. And I think most of that is because of the government just going like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to just do this. And it's like, but why, what made you decide that this is the thing that needs to be done? Right. Like I kind of get, if you're like, Hey, we're, you know, America and we're sitting here and all of these Mexicans are being murdered by the Mexican government. And we were kind of like, yeah, we're going to go stop that. Yeah. Right. Because you're like, I don't want the refugees. I get that almost. But like this, like, yeah, we're going to force you to accept transgendered bathrooms in your private facility. Right. And it's like, okay. I don't care really one way or the other about the bathroom. Right. But what I care about is for a population that's less than 1% of the population, we have to change everything just in case. Right. And and I mean, and you and I have, you and I have experience in this area is that in my experience, the people that we know that are transgendered do not give a (laughs) shit. Like, well, they do give a shit. They give a shit in the bathroom that they feel comfortable going into and nobody cares. Yeah. So the only, the only time it's a problem is when somebody's making it a problem. Yeah. On both sides, on both sides of the issue. Not, not like. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I looked it up. So we'll close on this real quick because I looked it up. I want, I just was curious to see what, 
what the ranking in Texas was for mm-hmm. city sizes. So Houston is the fourth largest city in the country. San Antonio is the seventh. Dallas is the ninth. I was surprised that San Antonio was actually technically bigger than Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really think about it that way. But um, then Austin is 11th. Fort Worth is 12th. El Paso is 22nd. Arlington, the city I live in, is 49th. Mm-hmm. Corpus Christi is 60th. Plano, which is on the other side of Dallas. These are all like a lot of these cities are like within 30 minutes of me. So Plano, yeah. 68th largest. Uh, Laredo, which is way down by the border, is 80th. Lubbock, which is uh, way out west, is mm-hmm. uh, 80, 84th. Irving, which is right next to the city I live in, 93rd. Garland, which is on the other side of Dallas, 94th. Frisco, which is north of Dallas, 109th and McKinney, which is on the other side of Dallas, kind of north ish of, of Dallas is 111th Amarillo, 112th, which is up in the kind of like that square part of Texas. It's the top hat. Yeah. The top hat part. Yeah. Uh, Grand Prairie, which is right next door to Arlington as well. 132nd Brownsville, which I don't know where that is. 140th. And then get this. This Uh, is the one I, this is the, but this is the one I wanted to get to. Colleen, mm-hmm. Rollo's favorite town of all time, <laughs> 166th largest city in the country. <laughs> yeah, I think Brownsville's where the prison in Texas used, like the big prison used to be. And I think, oh, okay. I think it's south of San Antonio. Got it. Okay. Like going down like toward Roseland. Like there's a... There was a uh, guy. Okay. So I just looked it up. It's actually the southernmost city in Texas. It's, it's okay. Yeah. yeah, it's like right on the border at the very bottom of Texas. Yeah, like so like there's a like, there's a prison down there. So Interesting. um yeah, so but that's the like the reason you don't think of San Antonio being larger than Dallas. Yeah. is because there's all of the like Fort Worth, yeah. Arlington, McKinney, Plano, they're all right there in that right. just that megapolis. Like yeah, it's yeah. so much larger. Like, oh wait a minute. Yeah, it's like it's like thinking about Virginia Beach. Like Virginia Beach isn't big by compared to Dallas. Right. Like at least population wise. But it's still like the most populous city in Virginia, and you're like, where? Where are all these people? Right. And then you yeah, drive exactly. around and you're like, you're like Holy shit! There's stuff everywhere. <laughs> like, I kind of want to yeah. go down to this Brownsville. This kind of looks like it looks like. Uh, Don't go to Brownsville. No, is it not cool? I'm but, looking at pictures and I'm like, oh, this kind of looks like tropical a little bit with like palm trees un- and stuff. My understanding is it's uh, kind of it. It's like El Paso. Like El Paso oh, right. isn't unsafe, but it's not. Like, like Arlington is a safe town. Parts of Dallas are not. Parts of Fort Worth are really not. Right. Brownsville and the town across the border and um, it's not Guadalajara that's uh, across the border from El Paso, but like the town that's across oh, the border. Oh, Juarez. 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 Yeah. yeah. Juarez is Juarez pretty rough. Is rough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Like they're both they're both kind of like that where it's like the spillover is enough where you're just like eh, not yeah. really need to go down there. 
I just I like the palm trees. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was the only thing I was like, oh, palm trees. That's kind of nice. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and wrap up there. Yeah. Uh, good episode. All right, man. Yeah. I will uh, talk right. to you later, and we'll talk to you listeners later. Stay free. Stay free, everybody.